0: Hi, Tim. Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall,
1: where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater. Tim. Yes.
0: What puzzler do you have for us this week? (laughs) All right.
1: We are going to take you back to the golden age of musical theater, one of my favorite eras in the history of the musical theater. And here's your puzzler for this week. What musical opened on Broadway in the late 1950s that was a complete shock to audiences and was not considered a major success at the time of its opening?
0: Ooh, I know the answer to this question. I hope
1: you do, <laughs> as you teach this uh, subject at UC Irvine, don't you?
0: Yes, uh, a few other schools as well, but mainly right now, if you are, have been one of my students at UCI, we talked about this last quarter Um And we're moving forward into, we're going back into the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s of musical theater. And then I know that you touch on this at Fullerton College every semester when you teach it.
1: That's right. This week, actually, we're covering this very show. So uh, not to give too much away to my (laughs) students or to your uh, future students. Yes. uh, Let's circle back on that puzzler at the very end of this episode, and then we will answer it together.
0: Okay. But let's
1: move forward. So Ashley, what's in the news this week?
0: The first one is that the marquee went up for Tina Turner and West Side Story Mm -hmm. on Broadway. We know that the musical um, Tina Turner is opening uh, very soon, so they've got the marquee up. It looks gorgeous. Great quote on it as well, if you want to look up pictures online. And then we also have the West Side Story marquee going up on Broadway as it will be opening very soon. And as I was researching this, I I didn't realize this at first when we talked about it opening on Broadway and a few weeks ago in our podcast. Mm -hmm. I think our first podcast, we talked about it. But I notice now that there are 23 young people making their Broadway debut in West Side Story.
1: Wow, that that is awesome. That's awesome. And of course, this is being helmed by director Ivan Van, Van Hove, who brought us uh, View from the Bridge and The Crucible. Yeah, uh, the,
0: the most recent revival of The Crucible.
1: And major conceptualized uh, productions of those shows. So I'm really, really curious to see what he does with this particular production of West Side Story, knowing the kind of art that he creates I can only anticipate that he's going to offer us something that's really hopefully outside of the box while still paying tribute to the culture and the heritage of the Latinx people. So I'm really excited to see what he does with it.
0: And especially because they're recording the film is being recorded right now, correct?
1: Yeah, I feel like this... It's, it's
0: huge. Right now,
1: West Side Story <laughs> fever has pretty much hit like <laughs> Southern California. Yes. <laughs> like, I think like every regional theater company has been like producing it this summer.
0: Has done it, is doing it, is about to do it.
1: And I think they're just capitalizing on a lot of it uh, in a good way, capitalizing on the momentum that's been built by the Steven Spielberg helmed production that's coming in uh, to cinema soon.
0: Yes. And then the next item I want to talk about is that dun, 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 dun. Company is coming back to Broadway for another revival.
1: Yes. And this one I am so excited about. Uh, So... Many of you have may, may have heard about the West End version where uh, Stephen Sondheim actually worked on this new collaboration in working on a basically a gender bent production of a company where the role of Bobby is now being portrayed by a female. Ba-da-da-da,
0: ba-da-da-da, you could drive a person
1: crazy, you could drive a person mad. Ba-da-da. First, to make a person feel all hazy, so a person could be happy. Many of the formerly female doubt. characters, yeah, some the of the other love interests, are now reversed roles. So I'm really yes. excited to see what they do with this.
0: So the they're now boyfriends. And so it's PJ, Theo, and Andy. <laughs> and then the soon to be married, or not so soon, Amy and Paul are now Jamie and Paul. That's awesome. And they're, so they're gender swaps. They also updated the lyrics as well to bring it into present day. And the whole cast album from the West End is out, so you can you can hear it. But now, when it's coming to Broadway, the uh, the wonderful female that played it on Broadway, that played Bobby, is not coming with the company. But they are now. They just announced that they're casting
1: the amazing Katarina Link, who we both saw in the band's visit on Broadway. Mm-hmm. She is captivating on stage and I'm really interested to see what kind of take that Katarina Link is going to take because watching her she's so seductive and she's so mysterious and she has such a unique timbre to her sound. I'm really curious to see if they're going to maximize what kind of truth that she brings to the character. And that could really open up some really interesting things in terms of the character of Bobby and the way that Bobby interacts with these different relationships on stage.
0: Absolutely. And also, of course, the amazing, brilliant, famous Patti Lapone mm-hmm. is coming back to the cast as well. And what I think is quite interesting, in the discussion that we had prior to even starting to record this podcast about this musical specifically, is the idea that even though we're gender-bending and we're seeing a female portray Bobby versus what is typically a male, we are seeing not even just a typical female, I don't want to say typical, but a, a musical theater female, but somebody that brings something completely different than what you would expect.
1: Well, yeah, Katarina Link is not your typical mainstream musical theater leading lady.
0: But is be- but that idea that idea is almost even changing now, oh, right? Entirely. There's no mainstream or main leading lady. It's we're breaking down these walls of what a leading lady even is.
1: And as these new songwriters create various new genres that that really speak to more of a contemporary commercial music style of writing, I think people like. Katarina Link find themselves strategically placed in a wonderful position right now to have to get to take on some great roles, both in shows that like, like company that are going to be revived and that are maybe traditionally viewed through a certain lens. Now we get to maybe take on a whole new perspective about how the role of Bobby IE (laughs) can be taken on.
0: And I think this is something, too, that we're seeing quite often. Oklahoma revivals Mm -hmm. and all these revivals that are bringing something different to the musical through a different lens. So that musical is going to open preview start uh, March 2nd, 2020. And then it's set to open March 22nd, which is Sondheim's 90th birthday. Can you believe that's 90 years? I know. Next up in the news, we have an announcement, um, Rock the Audition, which is headed and created by the amazing Sherry Sanders. Who we, we both love. Yes. And she has created this coalition board to promote arts inclusivity. So it's helmed by the CEO, which is Sherry Sanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of us know her. And she created these this training session for not only teachers, but students of how to sing and, and craft pop rock music.
1: That's right. And also, what was just announced was that Ali Stoker is going to be joining her uh, on board this coalition to help promote arts inclusivity. And its main goal really is to uh, promote the efforts of artists of color, uh, as well as neurodiverse, disabled, queer, non-binary, trans, mentally and chronically ill arts, arts instructors and performers. And participants of all experience levels will have access to free and low-cost training courses and workshops.
0: And what I love about Sherry is that she is trying to, again, just like we're talking about every single week in this podcast, reach beyond the idea... That this industry is for one person. That's right. That anybody can do this industry no matter who you are, where you come from or, um, you know, an- anything about yourself, you can continue to be successful in this career.
1: And I think what she's doing that's so important right now is she's having the conversations that have been hiding in the wings for so long. Yes. And bringing them to the forefront. Uh, about how do we educate uh, educators on how to teach non-binary students and students from diverse backgrounds more effectively, not only in the classroom, but uh, also uh, in studio sessions and in uh, workshops.
0: Yeah, and how do we make a safe space that so everyone feels included in not only the classroom, but in this industry you know, as a whole?
1: And we're also super excited because at Fullerton, we're going to be welcoming Sherry Sanders to Fullerton College <laughs> to work with our students as a guest artist in late October. And she's going to be working with my cast members from Bright Star on this very topic about greater inclusion, representation, and and also just obviously bringing her amazing energy and fun into the room.
0: I'm so excited to have her and we're hosting Yay! her at our house. Yay, <laughs> Sherry! It'll be a fun time. Next in the news, what I want to talk about is the recent announcement of the film adaptation of the musical merrily we roll along
1: i am really curious to see how they're going to pull this off
0: yes and it's starring
1: oh the amazing ben platt who we
0: obviously know from dear evan hansen and beanie feldstein uh, they've been friends for quite quite some time mm -hmm. and what they're going to do that i thought was so interesting about this announcement is they are actually going to record it in the 20-year time span that's That's the Crazy. The show takes place. That's
1: insane. I mean, can you imagine 20 years of filming Merrily, We Roll Along?
0: I know. And it's written, when you see the musical, it's written backwards, right? We start with, with the main character being older. Correct. And it goes to him being younger. And that's they're going to record it in the opposite way. So they're going to start with Ben Platt right now being, being in his 20s, which is where it ends up and then record it as he gets older. Can you imagine working on a project for that long?
1: Well, I can only imagine, but also I'm curious because there's so many things that can happen in the course of 20 years. I mean, I'm, I'm I, I have a million questions as to like how are they going to pull this off effectively? Are they going to stay committed to the project all 20 years? Are people going to come and go? What
0: does that contract look like for those actors? Can you imagine how are they getting
1: paid? How are they? You know, yeah. It's, yes. I'm really curious. And you know what? I I have a soft spot in my heart for Merrily Roll Roll Long. I know it's not everybody's uh, ideal musical, and you know, historically it it was kind of considered a flop on Broadway. Uh, it was really one of the shows that led to the separation, the the parting ways of Harold Prince and Steven Sondheim until two thousand three, when they came back to do Bounce. But um, I think it really, I think it has a really interesting message, and I think it really has a more interesting concept in starting backwards and working its way back to the to their youthful days. But. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, since its recent revival, which also wasn't necessarily received exceptionally well. That
0: off-Broadway production. Correct. Many people loved, because we have such a, such a special place in our heart for this musical, but it also, many people did not like the that off-Broadway revival a year ago or so. Well,
1: because they didn't feel it solved the problems that existed originally in the book. So I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, if there is enough love that comes from either the Broadway community or people at large for the film adaptation of Mary Lou Roll Along.
0: And there was a lot of uh, hubble bubble on Twitter when this was announced a few days ago about people going, well, that's a ridiculous idea or, you know, that's silly. How is that going to actually work? And I, I really think that as artists, w- why not try it? Like, Absolutely. Why not? And and that's kind of what this director is known for as well, doing projects that take a bit longer. And why not try to record something that's going to stay the course of the actual story of the musical? what What's wrong with trying that?
1: Absolutely. And I think it's a unique concept. And, you know, we're about pushing boundaries and we're about mm-hmm. kind of stretching ourselves. And I think that uh, this could have the potential to be something really interesting if it's successful 20 years from now.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned that, Tim. Because as I was reading this last little bit of news here when I was doing my research for the week and what was happening, not only on Broadway, but, you know, kind of across the, the West End and, and the States, when Merrily We Roll Along originally opened on Broadway, it ran like less than 20 performances. I think it was like 16, 16 performances. <laughs> right. And we still, as artists, many of us still have a special place in our heart for that musical. Mm-hmm. And how do you gauge what is successful?
1: That's a great question.
0: Does 16 performances mean that it was a flop? Does that mean that it wasn't good? If a musical runs for years and years and years, does that mean it's more like Mamma Mia ran for forever on Broadway? Chicago has been running for many years on Broadway. But does that mean it's more of a successful piece of art?
1: I think that's a great question, how you measure success. Because here we are, what, some 30 years, ago, 30 years apart from uh, the original production of Merrily, and we're still having a conversation about it. It was revived, and now it's going to be turned into a film. So I think success, we can't look at success as an overnight kind of achievement. It needs to be something more that we measure in terms of uh, incremental gains. Uh, and I think that speaks to a lot of different things, whether it's as an actor, how we measure success, or whether it's how, how directors or choreographers or creative people measure success.
0: And can you measure success based on how many awards you win? Right, mm-hmm. our last two podcasts we have always ended it with someone that um, won a Tony, and it was from their Tony Award speech. Do you have to win a Tony to be successful? I mean, recently this past Tony season, two a couple of people won a Tony that are um, have been on Broadway in many different shows.
1: Well, Stephanie J. Block mm-hmm. when she won for the Share Show, it, it was just you know her
0: first Tony, she, and
1: how many roles powerful strong wonderful roles has she taken on on broadway over the course of the years and finally this was her time
0: and does that mean that she hasn't been successful up to this time i don't i don't think so i don't think we can judge our success based on awards or how long a performance runs on broadway or you know how how long your regional theater career is and i really started to think how this affects people artists in our industry on a daily basis.
1: Especially because we're now moving into the fall season where we are uh, just wrapping up auditions or currently having auditions for both fall season shows and for holiday shows. And I think there's a lot of energy uh, around, at least where we are right now, with college productions that are hosting all their auditions during the first week, first two weeks of school.
0: Season Productions Season Productions That's very popular right now where they're hosting auditions at the beginning of right right now in the fall for their entire you know, coming up season, not only into Christmas, but into next year, that's becoming very popular now. And so this is a time where we are all trying to kind of, get, after the summer, right?
1: We're all experiencing a little bit more increased anxiety <laughs> about what's to come in terms of, you know, planning out our performance schedule, because many of us want to be booked and busy throughout the course of the year. And oftentimes with those combined auditions, we we feel as though as actors, we're putting all of our eggs into one basket with that audition. And of course, you know know these theater companies will call back uh, different actors at different times throughout the course of the year but oftentimes we get so in our heads when we go into those uh, that audition room for a combined or season audition we want to make sure we're putting our best foot forth and maybe sometimes we don't get the outcome that we want
0: and does that mean you are not successful if you don't get quote and we're talking about specifically performers, does that mean if I don't get that job that I'm not successful, that I'm not talented, that I'm not doing anything well? And yeah, and what can you control
1: in the room when you're auditioning? I think that's an important question. There are so many aspects that you can control, but there are also even more aspects that you can't control in terms of what's being said behind the table or what uh, what's, what the outcome of your audition is going to be. And so... I think it's important for, for performers that are going into these auditions with a little bit of heightened anxiety this time of year to remember that what you can do to be, prepa- be prepared uh, with your material, be prepared when you walk in the room in terms of how you present yourself, what brand are you selling when you're in the room, but also the things that you can control, you have to embrace that and accept that. You have to accept the fact that maybe the director is looking through this show through a, a unique lens that is a little bit different than what you may perceive it to be.
0: What would a solution to that be if you're going to say, "I," you know, instead of thinking I was rejected or they didn't like, I didn't get that job? What, how can we measure our success as artists?
1: Well, I think it. I think that you need to trust your path. And trust the journey that you're on in the season of your life at this time. Absolutely. And so often, you know, especially I look at young performers that I'm that I'm teaching right now. Mm-hmm. They're so eager and they have so much energy, and they're so wanting to conquer the world and become equity by the time they're 20 and get to New York
0: <laughs> ASAP. And I get that, and I and we are seeing that on Broadway right now. We see West Side Story. 23 very young people, um, you know, making their Broadway debut. We saw it in Be More Chill. Dear Evan Hansen has a lot of young people, but that's not the path for everybody. I think if we really focus on that success is not based on your resume, how mm-hmm. many shows you have designed, how many shows you have directed, how many shows you have performed in, whether it's community theater or college or regional or Broadway or off-Broadway or West End, but that you're gauging your success on are you satisfied and happy with where your career is right now? Mm-hmm. And are you satisfied and happy as a human being? And that is, is how you're going to say, I am successful right now where I am and I am satisfied where I am. And
1: and if you're not satisfied with where you are, what steps can you make to make forward progress towards your idea of what success is? Is that getting into class more? Is that is that training at the collegiate level and focusing on every moment, sponging, soaking up every, every word that these mentors and these amazing educators are giving you?
0: Is it trying, is it um, designing a a show? Is it um, trying directing? Is it teaching at a youth studio? There are so many ways that you can be successful in this industry. We know many people now that are even turning to photography as a creative Mm -hmm. outlet, and that's even paying their bills. What other ways can you find that you can just be happy as a human being, and that's going to make you eventually feel, quote, successful? In this industry, right?
1: If you don't step into the arena, how can you ever know how to measure success? You know what I mean? If you don't actually play the game, if you don't commit yourself to trying something a little bit scary, a little bit new, a little bit different, then how can you measure success? You'll always be living in that state of fear and that state of not knowing.
0: Let's judge our success based upon how we feel as a human being and as an artist. That's right. Tim, let's go back to that puzzler question.
1: What musical was a complete shock to audiences in the late 1950s and was not considered a success at the time of its opening?
0: The answer is... West Side Story, which ran on Broadway, you know, a bit longer than Merrily.
1: And it actually lost out that same season, lost the Tony Award to The Music Man. Yes. And uh, one interesting fact, last interesting fact about West Side Story is the fact that it really didn't pick up steam until it earned 11 Oscar nominations for Best Film in 1961. And I think that's what really catapulted uh, West Side Story into being the mainstream musical we know now uh, and love.
0: So again, don't judge your success based on how many awards you have or how many tickets you sell. Dun, dun. That's right. We're going to leave you with a few words from Heather Headley, the Broadway actress, and how she perceived something to happen in the audition room that was quite different than what actually happened.
1: All right. So we'll see you next week.
0: Have a great week. It was the last day of college. I walked into the audition and sang my song, which was Out Here on My Own.
1: And I look over at the desk and everybody's talking everybody's speaking, which drives me completely crazy. And so I'm just kind of, I remember halfway through the hour, I was like, I was mad because everybody was talking. And at the end of it, I was like, thank you. And I took my book and I was leaving and they were all like, no, 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 stop. Where are you going? And I was like, I'm going home. Like, cause it's like, you obviously don't like me. And they're like, no, no, we're talking about, we were just talking about the fact that you're were, a, we we're watching a show. And so anyhow, that worked out. And I ended up in Toronto understudying Audra McDonald in Ragtime.